Wow, wow, wow. What a Atlanta race we just saw this past weekend. And we have a lot to talk about here on episode three of season two on Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. Braxton, Dylan, Jake, and Steve here with you tonight as we talk about that craziness uh, on Sunday, plus the uh, truck and Xfinity races on Saturday, all from the uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway there in Georgia. It was a good weather day, so Dylan had an easy day of it. Um, but I mean, we're going to get to it, but my goodness, what a race we saw on Sunday. That is exactly right. And speaking of good weather, we do not have that in Kentucky tonight. So I'm getting straight to my points that I wanted to bring up throughout this entire podcast. I'm just going to lay it all out there right now. All time great NASCAR race that I witnessed. Um, I've been to some good races in person, but to watch that on TV, I wish that I was there. Um, we had talked in the past at Atlanta last year that we wanted to see it turn into an old early 2000s, late 90s style Daytona race. And it truly felt like that. I know it's there's still some differences. We're never going to be able to replicate that. But just the way the cars were driving, you could tell that it was difficult for them to drive. Um, and it was just thrilling. And then to have the finish on top of that, not having them wreck, just an all-time great. And you guys are going to get to it throughout the rest of the podcast, I'm sure. But Jeff Gluck's poll, it's an absolute travesty that it's not the highest-rated all-time race. I mean, NASCAR fans, have some of them have such a high standard for what they consider good racing. Because I've seen everything from, you know, they have restrictor plates. So no matter how good the race is, that's not real racing to me. <laughs> or you could say, oh, there were wrecks, cars wrecked. It's not good racing blah, 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 whatever you want to say. Every type of motorsport is manipulated by the sanctioning body in some way, whether it's tires at a dirt track, what you're required to run, whether it's the kind of engine your car's required to run. There's not a, a restrictor plate is just one variable that a series can dictate. So to say you disregard that style of NASCAR just based off of the restrictor plate that you have and you're not going to you know, support drafting style racing. Absolutely ridiculous. Those type of fans just quit watching NASCAR because they're never going to give you what you want to see. Even your wildest dreams of it going back to the 80s and 90s, you're still going to have restrictor plate races. You're still going to have uh, the, the series manipulating the driving in some way. I don't know. Um, I just don't know how fans could not appreciate what they saw on the track. Just hearing from Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. that it was they actually had fun when they are two drivers that have been outspoken against um, drafting and super speedway style racing. Only thing that would have been better was having Alan Bestwick in the booth. That's the only thing that would have made it a 100 out of 10 to me. So that's that's my spiel. Uh, I think I got to all my points there. My pick as close as you can get without winning, but I'm I'm still happy with it. <laughs> Ryan Blady had a great race, and um, it was just really fun to see. Well, yeah, you uh, you raised some great points there, Dylan. We'll surely get to uh, input on a lot of those ourselves here in just a little bit. But we'll let you uh, head out and and tend to all of the uh, the the people there in Central Kentucky who need to be kept up to date on what the weather's doing. I know there's some nasty stuff rolling through there, and I think there's probably some nasty stuff rolling my way here this evening too. So absolutely, uh, and it just we talk about nascar bringing bad weather well this podcast we've had a lot of episodes that i've had to either miss or 
uh, be a little bit early due to weather in the middle of the night. So, well, <laughs> hey, good good news for you though is um, it, we're going to Vegas this coming weekend, and the forecast out there should be pretty cake, right? It's the desert. Ah, uh, you would think, but it does look like Saturday is some rain now, and maybe some cold air at night, where you could see once again the possibility of maybe a few flakes out there Saturday night. But it'll it'll be oh better by Sunday, it looks like right now. But yes, um, NASCAR bad. Bad luck is striking again. Dylan, do you want to go ahead and do your do our picks while we're at it? You have a minute for that? Yeah, we can do this. I know we're okay. kind of just wrecking this show format, but <laughs> I apologize. No, it's okay. Hey, well, you think about this way. There were only, what, like five cars on Sunday that weren't in like officially listed as involved in some type of accident. So it, it, it works out like there was all that carnage on Sunday. It still not turned out to be an amazing race. So we're going to have some carnage at the front end of the podcast, but we're sure it's still going to turn out amazing. Absolutely. Sounds kind of like, okay. uh, well, listen to actions detrimental this week. It's kind of how their podcast started too. So <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah. following the script. Well, uh, Dylan, you kind of alluded to it in your little opening thing there. Uh, you finished second with Ryan Blaney by, I don't even I haven't seen an inch value yet by three one thousandths of a second was the time value between Suarez and Ryan Blaney. So you get fifty two points all told with all the stage points. Um, second best finish for us was Steve uh, with Chase Elliott finished fifteenth and got twenty three points for his efforts. Uh, my guy Joey Logano was looking real good on Saturday. Looking not real good on Sunday morning. By the time lap five came around, he was looking real good again. And then uh, did not have uh, that great of a day in the end, finishing 28th with nine total points. And then Jake had Brad Keselowski, who finished 33rd with eight points. So the standings look like this. Steve has a six-point lead over Dylan in our actual picks, uh, 62 to 56. Jake is in third with 41 points. And I'm bringing up the rear with 31 points. Uh, Steve with an average finish of 10. Uh, Jake and I tied with the same average finish, 23 and a half. But Jake getting uh, 10 more points out of it. I think, oh, because uh, Chase Elliott, I believe, had stage points in uh, Daytona. That would do it. He won a stage. That would, that would, that's the 10 points right there. It's winning the stage. Alrighty, so uh, what do you guys want to do for uh, for your picks? Uh, Jake, I think you go first, then me, then uh, Steve and Dylan. All right, we're headed to Vegas. Of uh, some might say that this is when the real season starts, given the last two tracks we we started the season with. Uh, I'll go to I guess my bread and butter of last year for good and bad because of the amount of checkers or wreckers, but I'll pick Kyle Larson. To win at Vegas. All right, Kyle Larson. I was going back to look at last year's uh, Vegas race. Uh, we, Jake, you had Ryan. No, it's random picks. Actual picks. Jake, you had uh, uh, Ross Chastain. Dylan had Blaney. Steve had um, Truex, and I had Logano. Uh, I'm not going to repeat my Logano pick. Uh, every time I've picked him early in the season, he's finished poorly. He finished 36th last year when I picked him at Vegas. He finished 28th last week at uh, uh, Atlanta. Uh, but I think I have to go with a uh, Hendrick Chevrolet. I think I'm going to go with William Byron here. 
they were they were running real good uh, at Atlanta and ended up being taken out by uh, Michael McDowell trying to get on pit road there. So, uh, Steve, you're up next. Who are you going with? I uh, saw him win at Vegas when I went there two years ago, and I think he's due for a redemption. And so I'm going to go with uh, Alex Bowman. I think that he needs a win. And uh, we have three of the four uh, Hendrick Chevys. So, Dylan, <laughs> let's see what you do. Well, that, that was the backing into it comment, yes. right? Yep. Yep. Well, that, that's going to come up again later in this podcast. Uh, I just want to say, too, with before my pick, that there is a lot of unknown that we have with the Toyotas and Fords. What are they going to bring? Um, I think that's kind of rimming. Uh, our picks are showing towards that, that we know what Chevy's going to bring and what Hendrick's going to bring. Um, I'm going to stay with the Chevys, and I'm going to go with Ross Chastain as my pick. Keep the track house momentum going. All righty, so... We all went Chevrolet, uh, Jake has Larson, Dylan with Chastain, Steve with Bowman, and I have William Byron. In our random picks, um, none of us did all that great. I had William Byron in random. He finished twenty or 17th, like I just mentioned. Um, then it was, uh, let's see, who was next? Oh, it was real bad. Uh, Dylan, you had Josh Berry <laughs> with 29th. <laughs> And then Jake and Steve both had Josh Williams in the 16 car oh, for colleague who finished 37th and got one whole point. He was so, not uh, a fan of that race. <laughs> he he parked it in the garage very early. Yes. Uh, so I have 34 points um, total in random. Steve with 25, Dylan with 20, and Jake with six total points in random. <laughs> He's basically the Stuart Haas of random <laughs> I, I would be negative right now. There's they got a couple drivers in the ne- negatives. Excuse me. We uh we have a combined average <laughs> finish of dead last thirtieth. <laughs> I'm close. We have a combined average finish of thirtieth. Yeah. Wow. It's uh it's not great. So uh, let's get the random wheel going, and I have a surprise for you. The, the fans won't be able to see it, but. Uh, you guys will get to see. Oh, the, uh, look at this. Wow. Whoa. I changed the wheel to have our logo in it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So this spin is going to go for Jake since uh, he and Steve had the same driver, but Jake's uh, lower in points overall. Come on, someone get 33rd or better. Come on. <laughs> oh, 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 no, no, oh. no. I know Carson could do it. Okay, let's go say it's so about to land. Is, I thought Carson it was leaning. I thought it was leaning fifty-one. It was leaning fifty-one. It was gonna be real bad. Uh, okay, so next we'll go to Steve. All right, Reed Sorensen. Here I come. Oh, oh man! Oh no! Oh, yeah, wait. I don't know who's in the sixteen this week. That is a well, uh, a new. Uh, it's his first race. What's his name? Uh, first I Cup Series see. race. I didn't see the entry I list. Have, I have J-Ski. J-Ski. Uh, reliable. Right here, All reliable. Yeah. Entry list. 16. Derek Krause. Okay, yes. I like Derek Krause. I don't know how he's going to do in his first race, but I like Derek Krause as a driver. At least to get some practice this week. I'll tell you what he's not going to do. <laughs> What's that? Win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
so here's a thought. So Dylan and I both had Suarez who in at Daytona and he went on to win at um Atlanta. At, Atlanta, right. And so I don't know if there's anything to be drawn there, but we had J- Steve and Jake, you both had the 16 last week. Or does this mean Josh Williams is going to win in the Xfinity race? If so, I need to put some money on it. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, Dylan, we'll spin for you next. Let's see. What have we got? There's yet to be a Ford picked, correct? And that's going to oh, change here. To be. Yes. That's a good pick right there. Take that. All right. Chris Busher for Dylan. And let's see who I get this time around. We've also had a repeat every single time so far. Mm. Yeah, he, oh, wait a minute. Stenhouse. Uh, Ricky oh, Stenhouse. Forty three wouldn't have been terrible. I don't think Stenhouse no. did bad last year when he went there. Did well, he? he was coming off the five hundred win. Let me see. Cause that... All check right. that out. Well, I'm going to do a good old Irish goodbye. Have a great rest of the podcast. I will be tuned in, and I'm going to well, be waking that's up. That's not an Irish goodbye, and... Dylan. You're saying goodbye. Okay. That's not an Irish okay. goodbye. <laughs> Sorry. Just ignore it. <laughs> I'm going to be on television in five hours. So, good night. Right. Bye, Dylan. See ya. Good night. Good night. I lied about Ricky Stenhouse. He he's bad there. Oh, good great. luck. Well, that's why it's called random. So uh, to recap the random picks, um, Jake has Carson Hosevar, Dylan with uh, Chris Busher, Steve has Derek Krause in the 16 this week, and I have Ricky Stenhouse. All right, and now that we've uh, we, we've kind of blown up the whole whole thing here, do you want to try to get back to some semblance of our regular show format? Lead the way. Uh, I think we should talk. I think we should talk about some news and notes. And that happened over the weekend uh, to start off with. And even last week, I think the biggest one on the continuing evolution of the charters is that uh, word came out that NASCAR has reportedly offered the teams a seven-year continuance of the current charter agreement. Um, and I'm not sure how well that is going to be received by the teams. And, and it's also unclear if that includes any um, updates in any of the things that the, the teams want. I and mean, certainly the teams want the charters to be permanent. So that's not on the table, obviously, but it doesn't, it's unclear. If there's any uh, increases in money for the teams or any say in rules and car packages and all that. So, um, so we'll, we'll see about that, but that seems like a uh, uh, kind of a non-starter based on what the teams have come out and said uh, of recent times. Uh, also, a lot of penalty stuff to get to from this past <laughs> week. Um, a lot of it. So we found out on, what was it Friday or Saturday? I think it was Friday when uh, the cup cars went through inspection that the cars of Noah Gregson and Ryan Priest had the roof rails uh, confiscated off of their cars. The If you're not familiar with the roof rails, they go right at the very edge of the sides of the roof. They run parallel to the direction of travel on the car. And they're very, very short, maybe an inch think, tall, maybe an inch and a half tall. I think it says it's, um, I think, I thought I read that it was five hundredths of an inch thick aluminum. 
yeah, it's just it's a very narrow um, just piece of, of of metal there that's supposed to, I guess, direct some air over the roof instead of letting the air spill off the side to the roof. Um, some aerodynamic thing that that they figured out long ago. Uh, but NASCAR deemed that the ones on the ten, and the forty one, were illegal and confiscated them. Both of those teams uh, today announced that they were fined thirty five driver points, thirty five owner points. What was the fine? It was like. 10 grand, something like that. The 10 grand was Joey, I think. 10 grand was Joey. Yeah. Let me get a good old J ski up here. Well, And while you're doing that, I think, I I think I wanted to just mention that like, um, first of all, it's not like they were doing well to begin with. And second of all, uh, all three of us have more points than those two drivers. Wow. Okay. Even Jake with his six random points. Yeah. How about that? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Gregson um, now down to negative six. <laughs> yikes. Uh, so no monetary fines, it looks like. Just the uh, loss of 35 owner and driver points for cars 10 and 41. Joey Logano, the uh, official fine is $10,000 for non-SFI approved gloves. Uh, if you did not see it, and I don't know how you didn't, but in case you didn't, the, uh, the word is that he modified his SFI approved gloves and the modification uh, does not meet SFI approval. And that's the clause that NASCAR is getting him on. But anybody who has a uh, uh, can, can read between the lines at all can understand that NASCAR also doesn't want Joey Logano to have a aerodynamic advantage. The, the reason being that you've seen probably on broadcast before that the drivers will stick their left hand up in the, uh, the front of the window net as a uh, on the the super speedway tracks to try to get uh, to prevent air from going in the car during their qualifying laps. And Joey Logano had an uh, or somebody on the 22 team had an ingenious idea. They thought to put some webbing between the fingers of the glove to help make a more of a wall for that air, as opposed to air getting through his fingers and uh, NASCAR caught wind of it somehow, some way uh, people going back online could see, the uh, the webbing in between the thumb and the index finger on his left hand on the in car camera, and uh, it was announced Sunday morning that he would uh, lose his starting position, have to go to the back, and have to do a pass through penalty, and he got fined ten thousand dollars today. Uh, so that was a, a quite a costly penalty, but no points penalty, and really, we can go ahead and get to it now, like. Everybody thought that he was going to be in a world of hurt given how long the the pit road is at Atlanta. You remember now that they've gone to the super speedway style racing there at Atlanta, that they have a pit road that entrance is at the entrance of turn three. So he would certainly have lost so much time uh, on the track. And then as he's doing his pass through penalty, half the field wrecks. So uh, <laughs> brings out a caution on lap two and really bails Joey out. Well, so I think this is one thing that I wanted to mention about this, <clears throat> that um, I know that the pass-through penalty would have, like, if, if all went green, he probably would have gone down maybe two laps, potentially, obviously due to how big uh, the, the pit road entrance is and pit road in general coming back around. But I don't like how, and I get that it's kind of a technicality that he got bailed out on because they had a uh, a caution, but I still think that he should have had to, like do a pass through penalty 
while there were green flag laps because it, it still puts him at no competitive disadvantage in that instance. And I, I don't know. I just, first of all, I just thought that that was like wrong. I mean, I get that that's the rule. Yeah, they might change. That'd be something NASCAR could consider going back and changing. But also, I could def- I could see an argument to be made against that too, Steve. That would say that it would be like double jeopardy. That you know, it's not like it was one of uh, you know Logano's teammates who intentionally caused the wreck to force a caution so he wouldn't lose lose laps. He was um, you know it was entirely coincidental that there was a caution like. He he did his penalty, and plus, how many times do you see a caution on lap oh, two? Oh, never. I, no, I get the two. point. I think it was just though that like he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Well, I guess in the window net rather, but um, <laughs> but then ended up getting bailed out by a caution. I mean, I, I get it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But uh, you know, no real penalty for for what he did. Um, That's actually a good idea, though. Is that if you use a webbed glove. When you're reaching in the cookie jar, you can, in theory, scoop more cookies because they're not going to slip through your fingers. I think I think we should patent something. We'll call it the Logano. <laughs> we'll give him a small amount of royalty, right? Help him chip into that ten thousand dollar fine. Um, and I just wanted to real quick mention the the, the air deflectors for the roof um, of the ten and the forty one. Uh, first of all you got to wonder like how much they would take uh, or how much it would take for Gene Haas to basically want to say like, I'm done with NASCAR. I don't really understand why he's still in it. And I'm guessing it has to do with the relationship with Tony Stewart, but not only did you lose Eric Almarola, who was, and who, who is a, I would say perennial chance to win at, you know, certain tracks, flat tracks or, or speedways, but you lost Kevin Harvick, who, I mean, let's face it, is one of the all-time greats and replaced him with Noah Gregson and Josh Berry, who I don't have anything against either of them. I just, you know, I, I just don't think they're very good. And um, so I, I just, the, the point I'm trying to make is basically that this is not a good penalty uh, at all. And, you know, I think if I was listening to Denny's podcast, this is the second mention of the Actions Detrimental podcast by Denny Hamlin. Um, I think that they got that news while they were recording. And uh, Denny's immediate reaction was like, whoa, that's not good. Um, so, you know, I, I think that SHR is, is going to have some trouble uh, ahead as far as competition. And I just wonder how much of that would uh kind of make Gene Haas want to reconsider having a, a, a cup team because I just don't think that it's going to be, I don't think they're going to be in a good position going forward. Along the same lines, you got to wonder too, like how, where Tony's head is at. I mean, he mm-hmm. recently started a NHRA team. They, uh, they did really well in their first year. Tony is now going full-time di- driving the top fuel car. So his wife, Leah Pruitt can, um, they can work on starting a family and everything. So I mean, it, it, it's a fair wonder of, of the direction of that team overall, both on the Gene side and on the Tony side. And there was news right before the Daytona 500 in the season, starting from, uh, you know, Tony Stewart basically calling out everyone at Stewart Haas and saying, if things don't change quickly, then I'll be the one making changes here. 
And it obviously, I mean, where uh, I look back now and, you know, where did this, this decline start for this team? It's the way that it has gone, the decline, um, it's pretty astounding. And you look at where they're at right now and we preached all season last season. I mean, what, what's going on here? Kevin Harvick was pretty much the only one that was competitive and, uh, you know, and it, you bring in, uh, you know, Noah Gregson and, and Josh Berry, like Steve mentioned, who are, they don't, they don't really move the needle. Um, that's for sure. So you just, yeah, you, you have, you have to really wonder where this team is. Um, yeah, Chase Briscoe win, win Phoenix with, uh, two, two seasons ago, um, right at the beginning of the season, wasn't it? And, you know, that, that was certainly a highlight for that team. And, and one of the last, uh, remaining highlights of the past couple of seasons, but yeah. Well, you gotta wonder too, like hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, that we can look mm-hmm. back on this now, but it, it really seems like, um, that any success they've had over the last three or four years, uh, e- even going back basically since, since maybe Boyer left was, a, a lot of um, a, a lot of Kevin Harvick out driving the equipment, and you know, in some cases, the other guys kind of getting lucky. Like Eric Almirola had an amazing race at New Hampshire. What was it, in twenty one or twenty two, mm-hmm. uh, and and won that race. You know, Chase Briscoe had that amazing run at Phoenix uh, early in twenty two, um, win that race. Same with, I guess you could say the same with. With Custer, I mean, he wasn't really a factor at that race at Kentucky that he won. Um, so it, I guess you, you have to wonder then now it's like how much of that's the team's success overall has been kind of the fluke instances, and then the consistency was Kevin Harvick out driving his equipment, and then what what the course correction is on that. And I find it's interesting too that maybe on not quite as a extreme an example, but you have to, I guess, draw some sort of comparison to the uh, Formula One team that Gene Haas owns because the Formula One team is not very competitive at all. Not competitive at all. Not, not, not very, they're, they're horrid. They're at the bottom of the charts every week. And I understand Formula One's a complete beast, but I wonder if there is some line of thinking in the management structure there between that team and SHR mm-hmm. that uh, it, there's, there should be no reason like that why they are rate racing like they are, but here we are talking about it. And it, it won't get any better. I mean, when you lose a guy like Kevin Harvick and we all know what, who Kevin Harvick is. And then with that, you see all of those major sponsors with Harvick leave the team, but they're still in the sport. It seems like, you know, with there's you know, Bush light, et cetera. They're, um, Hunt Brothers Pizza is with uh, – I saw him with Penske this weekend. So you, you have some of those factors as well, along with Harvick leaving. There goes some of the – you know, that's hardcore support for the team. So, yeah, things, things are definitely shaky there. So some other penalties and interesting things that happened this weekend. Uh, a couple of uh, trucks had some deflected windshields on Saturday afternoon. One of them – was on the 41 truck of Bailey Curry that actually ended up resulting in 
the roof of his truck or part of the roof of his truck coming completely off at speed under green flag conditions. He is not listed under the, or that team is not listed under the official penalty report, but a word is that NASCAR is going to the Nice Motorsports shop tomorrow. And NASCAR told the team, don't touch that truck until we've gone to meet with you. So NASCAR reportedly is meeting with Nice Motorsports tomorrow to understand if the story that they got is accurate. And the story from Bailey Curry was that a piece of debris hit the windshield, bent a brace back, allowed the windshield to cave in. And then as time went on in the race, that air kept getting underneath the, uh, the gap between the windshield and the roof and lifted the roof right off. But interestingly enough, another truck had a similar thing going on. Lane Riggs, the 38 truck for uh, front row Motorsports, his uh, windshield was caved in. The roof stayed completely attached, but after the race, the 38 truck was disqualified from the event and given no points, removed to the back of the field for uh, having a, uh, I guess, an improperly fastened windshield, uh, which is a similar penalty to what Harvick got last year, I believe, at one point, maybe Talladega. So uh, something to keep an eye on there and, and see if NASCAR comes out with some, some crackdowns on that for sure. I think that's most of the news from last week. Is there any uh, other news notes that we, uh, we should get to before we get on into the race analysis? I don't think so. Alrighty, well, uh, let's jump on to the race analysis, and we'll start with the truck race. Uh, and really, the, the truck race was a single-file line, Kyle Busch just biding his time pretty much until the very end. Uh, I know... Jake, I think you're probably in the same boat as me, but I was really pulling for Grant Infinger to win that race. It's been a big win for West Virginia native Cody Rohrbaugh and his uh, CR7 Motorsports team that uh, unfortunately didn't come true as uh, Infinger had issues late in that race. And that really handed it to Kyle Busch. Um, aside from that, there wasn't a whole ton to note from the truck race. It, it was very single file and uh, you could you could certainly tell the inexperience of the truck racers on uh, that type of track, aside from Kyle Busch, um, but also um, I guess you can appreciate to an extent too the uh, the the lack of complete carnage that we saw from the truck like, compared to the truck race at Daytona a week prior. Yeah, I think the only thing that I was going to note, obviously, was you know Kyle Busch only really runs truck races. He basically is thinks he's going to win. Um, which we've talked about before, but uh, the only other things were that Corey Heim has had uh, a solid start in the first two races, uh, being the runner-up at uh, Daytona in the trucks and was third um, Sunday. And then um, Majeski, who also had a solid run, uh, was was the runner-up at Atlanta. But outside of those three things, I really not a whole not a whole lot on my end to comment on. Yeah, when you watch the the trucks and the Xfinity on Saturday, uh, it, I'm sure a lot of people, uh, you know, were really questioning the track itself, self, Atlanta, and you, you really wondered, oh boy, what are we in store for on Sunday? Things changed there on on Sunday a little bit, but the truck series was, you know, it was pretty ho hum. I mean. Um, there was a lot of single file and, um, 
you know, there there were some things he, uh, here and there. We had the entertainment with the the uh, roof flying off, um, but it's it's hard. We'll you know, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast when we were making the picks. Now that you know, we head off of Daytona and Atlanta, the super speedways. We'll really see some of the um, the true contenders for the entire season. See who they are. Um, you know, sometimes when you get the some of the some of the cup guys in there mixing it up, there's been a debate to, uh, for years with this. I, I think it it really, I like it uh, for the fact that you know it makes the other competitors in this series you know really work hard uh, to try to compete with these guys. And I also like the fact that now guys like Kyle Busch are limited in the runs they can do five uh, per season and you know they'll they'll be getting it done in the beginning of the, of the season but anyways um to the race itself it was it was just okay i thought um and you know i guess we'll see where where things lay with the truck series coming out of it in the but a guy guys like you know nick sanchez and Corey heim um certainly uh who have had some good finishes here will be contenders all year yeah the xfinity race was a lot of the same with i guess more drama with the fuel savings going on there that it was a uh it was kind of a um a wild like basically the last stage they were saving the entire final stage uh the one thing that stood out to me was um when under the last caution uh, I don't know who Jesse Love's crew chief is on the two car, but the uh, crew chief asked Jesse Love if he saved enough fuel. Jesse's like, yeah, I saved enough for you. And I'm just like, how the hell do you know? It's your second race in the car. <laughs> yeah. That, it, you mentioned that on the on Denny's podcast too, but what I thought was funny about that was that um, how long after did he run out of fuel that that conversation happened? It had to be. Oh, literally like, when he stepped on the gas on the restart. <laughs> like, and once you saw it was like the sea parted and, and then everybody went around him and then Austin Hill went on to win. Uh, and people were saying it was a stolen win. I mean, whatever, I guess it was impressive, but really Jesse Love, you know, swept both stages and looked like the dominant car, which what he was. And, um, you know, that's kind of, Kind of just another Austin Hill win, which is lackluster to watch. But um, I think it's safe to say that that Love is going to have a win sooner rather than later. Yeah, I got to give uh, one point, though. You mentioned that Jesse Love is the dominant car. I should have mentioned that Christian Eckes was the dominant truck early in mm-hmm. that truck race and ended up uh, having to uh, retire early due to having zero brakes and to be quite honest, I don't know how NASCAR didn't black flag him for that. I mean, everybody, you know, in their brother knew who that, that Christian Eckes didn't have any breaks. He was saying it on his radio over and over again. I don't know how. And he displayed that he had no breaks when he tried to come to pit road to have the brakes fixed. I don't know how NASCAR doesn't penalize him for that or black flag him and tell him you got to go behind the wall and get that fixed. Um, but anyway, they, they ended up retiring the truck after they couldn't get it fixed. But, uh, Eckes had the dominant truck early and then that bit of controversy with how he wasn't penalized. When I look at the um, 
Xfinity Series race, and you know, it just so happens that Austin Hill was there for the victory, and I understand what you know people are saying um, about him stealing wins, but man, he he just wins. It's the first Hill is the first driver since 2008 to win the first two events of an Xfinity Series season, which is tough to do, but I think that. Um, looking at the stats of the race, I mean, Jesse Love um, sweeps the first two stages, led 157 of the 169 laps. I think that says a couple things. And one, man, he he's good, and he will get his win, like Steve said. Two, um, probably says a lot about the type of racing and – this this will be an episode in Market Down where we're coming out of the weekend um, where Cup just completely overshadows the Xfinity series because usually you know Xfinity is consistently puts on the best series. It just it just didn't work at Atlanta over the weekend. Um, yeah, all the all the fuel stuff um, certainly made it interesting and kind of s- saved the race from an entertainment factor. I guess uh, there at the end. Um, certainly it, overall, it just, it just wasn't very good. Um, when I look at, you know, with what happened with the fuel and everything, it benefited some guys and I got to give a shout out to a couple, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen finishes third. Uh, you, you know, with him getting into this, uh, you know, on a consistent basis now, what, what will this do for him? This type of finish, um, it has to be positive, um, that's for sure. And guys like finishing in the top ten, like an Anthony Alfredo and Jeffrey Earnhardt, um, you know, Jeremy Clements, you know, that took advantage of this and uh, certainly heading out of there feeling pretty good. So I'm certain certain that those guys won't won't say much about how the racing was on Saturday. Yeah, the. Uh, the thing I teased a, a little bit ago was about the Alex Bowman like backing into wins thing. That's absolutely what Austin Hill did this weekend. He totally backed into that uh, because he wasn't the fastest car on the track. He was probably a sixth or seventh place car the entire day um, and just played it just right and saved enough fuel uh, to make it to the end. Interestingly enough, I, I try to find the... Um, the, what I saw on it, but basically it was that the there are four drivers who finished in the top five of both Xfinity races so far this year. So it was Austin Hill, Sheldon Creed, uh, Parker Retzloff in the 31 car for Jordan Anderson Racing, and I forget who the fourth was. Um, I'm trying to look it up here on the good old J-Skis. Um, But it was, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's been a dominant run, but I, I was going to comment about how, you know, I think three of the four are cars that you would like, okay, I, I get behind that. I, I understand, like, they're really good cars and stuff. And then Parker Retzloff in that 31 car has gotten off to a fantastic start for Jordan Anderson Racing. And much like we said a bunch of times so far in this podcast, I'll be curious to see if he can keep it up uh, as we keep on going through the season. But I say a great start for that organization for sure. Um, you know, I have to say too, that after watching the doubleheader on Saturday, 
for the Xfinity and the truck series. I was ready to say, forget this restrictor plate or, you know, super speedway, slow it down, you know, 400 horsepower, whatever it is with a monster spoiler junk at Atlanta. The track is aging enough. Just forget all that. Run it like a normal mile and a half at this point, because I think it would produce far better racing. Uh, The cup race made me rethink that quite a bit. The cup race I thought was, was pretty good, but. Um, it was really good, but man, that was such a far cry from Saturday. Uh, it was, uh, it was a rough go on Saturday for sure. And, uh, and I don't know though, do you think it would be worthwhile if they had like maybe the trucks and Xfinity run Atlanta, like a regular mile and a half because they're down on power anyways. Um, and then have the cup series run it as a uh a super speedway like i think that would fit the the style of a vehicle better just with the suspension and the aerodynamics is that, do you think that's feasible or would that be kind of weird to have those two series do it one way and the cup do it another i don't yeah i mean i don't think that that would be an issue i mean i don't see why it would be what what like what issues would you see happening with that I just feel like the the argument could be made that um, how are you preparing the next crop of drivers to race that track that way in the Cup Series uh, if you're not doing it in the Xfinity and the Truck Series? But the same argument could be that, well, you're not really because the trucks and Xfinities are so different than a Cup Series car with with the, the difference in chassis, basically. Um, but I, I think it might it might produce better racing as opposed to, um, you know, everybody's in a pack and just saving and nobody's trying to do anything. Like you'll actually see what teams are truly better. Jake, you don't have an opinion. Well, Formulating I think that, an opinion. Yes, I'm. I'm thinking here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when the the more we get to this track, uh, how it changes and kind of it wears down and what that will affect. I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't see an issue with uh, those series changing a little bit. Um, we see a little bit of, of changes between the series here and there, say, you know, on a road course, there's a little different types of things uh, between the Xfinity and, and, cup with what they're running but um i i i wouldn't necessarily see any issues uh you know if they went into a weekend uh i'm not sure if there are all three are together this fall when the when atlanta becomes a playoff opener how about that um now we're coming out of this weekend seeing that it's a playoff opener in the uh it's it'll certainly be (laughs) that'll certainly be a crazy weekend but um, I, I'm not necessarily sure if, if they'll change it for a, if it would make sense to change it for a playoff race, um, you know, something like that. But maybe or maybe early on maybe if season. they or maybe if they run this spring Atlanta as you know one way and the fall the other way, that would be an interesting twist because the track is going to race completely different uh, from event to event, and you can kind of mix things up. Uh, in that sense, so you're not seeing really the same race twice in a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, 
you, you know, you see, I'm trying to think here of other locations where, you know, you go to the track twice and see two, two different types of events. I mean, look at, I mean, the know, Roval, this Roval Charlotte. And it, I mean, that that's completely different. You're not, you know, racing on the same yeah. type of, uh, you know, oval, but, um, yeah, it's certainly something to think about. All right. So, uh, I guess we get on to Sunday and we talked earlier about the Joey Logano penalty and how he got bailed out the, uh, I can't believe there was a crash on lap two of that race. Uh, and I guess that that's a testament of how the, um, the car just, uh, is on top of the racetrack is what the drivers keep saying that, that it's just skating all over the place. And, uh, I guess it caught a couple of guys, uh, by surprise there early on. I, I think that like the weird part about this whole thing was that, uh, it like you kind of don't think that uh, well first of all let me just back up by saying it was Gilliland right that like uh no that was Todd Gilliland dominated earlier in the race yeah I think that like here's okay here's the thing I I made a couple notes it was a big day for track house obviously but like from the beginning of that race I was like this is going to be Michael McDowell for sure uh I think that there's going to be a um, I think that there's going to be there. I, th- I was like, I think that there's definitely going to be like a, um, you know, p- hopefully a potentially clean race here for a little bit. I know that these drafting tracks could get kind of a little wonky. Um, but I thought we'll be able to hold it out for maybe like 15 laps or so, but not this one. So I was like, all right, well, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think it was Reddick who got the brunt of the damage. Right, because he yeah, yeah and well and then of course um, Josh Williams as well was taken out in that first truck too but yeah, yeah like Reddick was a non-factor the rest of the day yeah and so that was tough um, but we I think and mainly it was it was uh, overall I mean I thought it was a good race um, you know I, I thought it was a good race up until uh, you know uh, I saw my pick Chase Elliott crash like five different times. Um, that was pretty hard. I think that there is a, uh, I think that there is a, uh, there's something to be said for him being able to eke out a top 15 after having bear bond all over his car, it seemed like. And, uh, but you know, it was a really, really great finish. I thought it was one of the best, uh, best finishes that we could have potentially asked for in any race, in any level at like any type of racing. Um, and just the other thing that I wanted to uh, mention here was uh, Bubba Wallace had a very, very solid run. I thought could have gone four wide if he, it looked like Sindrick was coming out to the, uh, Sindrick was was making a run on him on the right, and it looked like he tried to cheat over to side draft him a little bit instead of checking down to go uh, make it four wide, but it is what it is. And then Denny um, wrecked in all three stages, hit the trifecta, but still was running well for a little while, but you know, tough break for the 11 overall. But I mean, it was a really good race. I think from top to bottom, there wasn't anything that really happened that I was like, oh yeah, like this is boring, you know? <laughs> you brought up Cindric, Steve. I thought before the the finish, I mean, that he was in the moment of the race when he took the lead from four wide. I mean, he went and he made it four wide 
in uh, that right there, I was like, okay, this is this race is is really really good. Then just the ending. I mean, a couple factors or, or things that happened that I really liked, uh, and I think a lot of people are talking about just how clean the ending was and it was very clean at the end there wasn't you know a crazy wreck like you see at some of these other types of tracks coming towards a line you know those cars could have been bumping and banging a lot more between blaney bush and suarez but they they took it three wide and, and it was just the first to the line wins and i thought uh that was one heck of a way to end the race and uh for also you know, to take that white flag like we, we saw at Daytona, how the race ended uh, right after they took the white flag. They got back to the line and did one one full lap on the white flag, which was also nice to see. But, um, yeah, Suarez, uh, you know, he, he is under a lot of pressure. I felt like last year, um, for his performance compared to his teammate Ross Chastain, Ross Chastain, uh, who's won won some races most recently and um, has had some crazy moments and, and kind of taken all the headlines. Um, if for for a lot of the the drama that he's brought to the track with the hail melon, you know, yeah. Some other thing. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Shane Van Ginsbergen winning for Trackhouse at Chicago Street Race, and that that's also been brought up how Trackhouse really likes um, all this drama here with their winning, and they, I, I think it's great. And they um, don't win. They don't win boring. That's for sure. They they do not. No, and they had uh, Suarez. So Suarez won at Sonoma for his first Cup win, mm-hmm. and then I'm thinking Chastain won at Coda. Is that when he took out a couple? Yeah, he I won at the, Coda. Okay. When he took out a couple guys on the, that towards the end, um, yeah, and that was also you know one of those wonky finishes. But man, they they really don't. Um, you know, it, it's. I mean, even you could even classify Ross winning last year at Phoenix in the championship like it's <laughs> totally overlooked and stuff. Yeah. but he won the race. Like he beat the champion. Mm-hmm. And he was. Uh, who was it that was it? Him and Larson, Chastain and Larson, or. Uh, you know, he he wasn't even though he was racing with some of those championship four guys at the end, uh, he wasn't giving up. But um, oh no, he was blocking the crap Blaney. out of Blaney. Blaney, yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Just, yep. From that, yep, I remember. Uh, yeah, Blaney was that, mad, he, and and Rudy Fugel was uh, Rudy Fugel was saying that he was melting. He was telling Willie B that that Blaney was melting down, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know about that. That that was brought up in the Netflix series that that all that that stuff was really cool to watch from that. But uh, anyway, uh, here at, you know, this Atlanta, um, I mean, there's, there's so many different types of things uh, to discuss. Um, And then one thing that I heard after the race from some drivers um, and someone, someone mentioned it early on in the podcast, guys like um, Truex and Larson and a couple other guys that, had every right to be upset about, you know, maybe where they finished or they don't like this type of racing. The majority were saying, man, that was a lot of fun. And I think that just says it all about what it was. Cause you don't, you don't hear that often, you know, when you're leaving at those, these types of tracks. 
So Dylan brought up the Jeff Gluck poll of was this a good race? This one slots in at the number four highest rated race at 94.8%. The net, the top three all happened at Bristol. It was 2021 Bristol. Uh, the night race was 95.7%. Then 2020 Bristol one was at 94.9 and 2018 Bristol two was at uh, the night race was at 94.8, a tie with uh, this Talladega race. Although I will say then he puts the number of votes in this spreadsheet that he has here. The uh, this Atlanta race had the most votes by nearly double of any race that is in the top ten. So last year's Kansas one, twenty twenty three Kansas one, uh, was twenty six thousand nine hundred and six votes. Over forty nine thousand people voted in this Atlanta race poll. Just crazy. Um, number of people voting there that um those types of numbers well obviously when you have that many votes it'll probably you know there there will be knuckleheads or you don't really know who is who is voting no i say you know say if you voted no for that you probably just shouldn't watch a race again (laughs) but looking at you know those types of voting numbers and what nascar got as far as um you know, the viralness of what happened. It, it, it was kind of shades of the hail melon. I mean, you, you log on the X or Facebook or Instagram on Sunday night. And it was just a finish after the finish. Uh, a lot of people, uh, the, the funny thing about it was, um, people were, uh, memeing it with cars, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Um, but it, it kind of, it captured, people that quite frankly don't watch NASCAR and that's what NASCAR needs. And they have the, you know, some momentum with the Netflix series, um, the television rating for Atlanta uh, with the viewership was, was pretty good. I mean, it it went up from the second race of last season, which was at Fontana. And I, you gotta think, you know, going to Vegas, I think we'll see a pretty good race um, for, for the track and the package. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really good, uh, for NASCAR. And, uh, you know, I, I remember last year, um, I think leaving Atlanta, it was a race when Byron won and rain kind of affected the end, but we were like, man, this is really good stuff. And even, uh, someone as respected as Dale Earnhardt Jr. were saying, you know, I think Atlanta might be the hottest ticket on the cup series schedule. Uh, right now and with them opening up the playoffs in the fall i would say that race in the crowd there and everything will be pretty lit so i'm uh it's it really it, the, the whole race weekend just did a complete 180 of i will say night. so based on you mentioned like the the how mainstream this finish has gone steve you've been sending us posts from this guy on Twitter named Icy Vert. And I have no idea who that is, but he has picked up so much steam. He's hitched his wagon to the Carson Hosevar train. He's like, I guess apparently Steve Phelps reached out to Hosevar to reach out to 
to Icy Vert to invite him to a race. Um, that just total grassroots thing, like you know, coming together and and exposing a lot of new people to NASCAR and getting them hooked on it. I love it. Uh, that was going to be my pop up shower. But um, I think that we can do pop up showers now. That's all right. Well, all right. So that's my pop up shower. Um, I was going to mention because I've been sending it and I've probably been spamming our group chat with them. But I think it's pretty insane how, um, you know, the and and I'm not trying to dunk on Formula One here, but I do think that there is a pretty big difference between people who are actual motorsports fans who watch Formula One and the drive to serve what I call the drive to survive Formula One fans, which are kind of the ones who look down their nose at NASCAR, um, this type of uh, publicity will never be able to come to somewhere like the United States with with uh, Formula One. Um, if you look at the interactions that he's getting, um, Seth Eggert, I believe, uh, was sh- tweeting about how many followers he's gained since then. And it was, I, th- I think it was over 2,000 uh, people have followed him, uh, this icy vert. Uh, uh, Twitter user, and he's gotten follows from Daytona, and he's gotten follows from uh, the Speedway, uh, and he's gotten follows from Charlotte Motor Speedway, and um, Carson Hosevar, obviously, and and so it's it just kind of goes to show that you know it's really easy to get into. It's you know there's a lot of access. You're not going to see other areas and leagues uh, uh, reaching out and trying to do this t- sort of grassroots movement toward. Uh, one random user who has a lot of followers, but I think it's awesome for the sport. And I think that it's, you know, stuff like this is going to hopefully make it so that more people who may not have ever thought about following are going to start following. Yeah, it was funny. Like he's, he's tweeted back and forth a couple of times with part-time truck series driver, Stephen Malazzi. And Stephen was like, brother, Daytona doesn't even follow me. And I drive a NASCAR. I thought that was, uh, that was it's been such a good interaction group mm-hmm. uh, uh, on that post. So that's your pop-up shower. Uh, Jake, what's your pop-up shower for tonight? Uh, my pop-up shower will go back to someone that's in the Fox booth, Kevin Harvick. I saw this last week, um, and I meant to bring it up, but since it is this weekend, I'll bring it up. He's the grand marshal uh, for the opening race at Kevin Harvick's current raceway out at his home track in Bakersfield. And uh, I just thought that, you know, that is is just pretty cool. And he's going back there and he's, uh, you know, can can do a lot, I think, for NASCAR. And I think he's started pretty well here in the Fox booth, I think. He definitely, you know, brings some nuance and, and he uh, doesn't, you know, go crazy with the interjections, but when he talks, you, you listen. And, uh, so I've been impressive with Kevin and, uh, that race, let's see, I'm pulling it back up, uh, is Saturday night. So Kevin Harvick will be there at his raceway, which was renamed, uh, for him recently. So, uh, that's going to be one of the uh, tracks that the, uh, one, one thing we to... didn't mention from the off season, mm-hmm. but that's one of the tracks that the, um, the new Cars Tour West is going to be racing at, uh, if I'm not mistaken. They're going to be there, Irwindale, and a handful of other places out on the West Coast, the Las yep. Vegas Bullring. Yes, yeah, so I just pulled up the release back up. Yep, this is the uh, season debut for the Cars Tour West. 
So that's awesome. uh, well, of yeah, which that, she is a part owner. Yes, that, that that will be a fun series, and this is uh, something cool being done in Bakersfield. Awesome! That's a couple of great uh, Papa showers to, uh, to for me to follow it up with. I got to give it to uh, Flow Racing for they had a a double header on Saturday at Golden Isle Speedway in Brunswick, Georgia with the uh, high limit sprint cars and the Lucas Oil late models. And uh, I thought it was great to have both of those series, the same event, same track, same day. And uh, I mean, where else can you, it's probably very few places that you can watch a race and see all the best dirt late model guys, you know, Jonathan Davenport, Bobby Pierce, uh, Mike Marler, you know, that whole crowd. And, Kyle Larson, Casey Kane, Brad Sweet, uh, the whole gamut of the high limit uh, drivers, Rico Abreu and stuff, all on, at the same track, the same night. Uh, I thought that was a really good event, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see more of those uh, coming up throughout the uh, the year. I think they mentioned there's like one more the rest of the year, but uh, it's great to have uh, some some more diversity and more attention overall uh, on on the grassroots racing. Uh, both on pavement and on dirt. All right, guys, so we're uh, headed to Vegas this weekend. We already have our picks out of the way, so I'll just recap those. Our actual picks, Jake has Kyle Larson, Dylan with Ross Chastain, Steve with Alex Bowman, and I have William Byron. And then our random picks, Jake has Carson Hosevar, Dylan has... Uh, Chris Busher, Steve with Derek Kraus in the 16. Back-to-back weeks, Steve gets a 16. I forgot to mention that earlier. And I have Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, and we heard from Dylan earlier as well that it's a uh, possibility for some wet stuff out there in Vegas this weekend. Of course, a lot can change in the forecast between now and then. But um, you think the desert, you think it's going to be dry, but not a complete guarantee this weekend. Uh, I, I guess... Uh, it's fair to ask. You guys are ready for some non-super speedway style racing by now, right? I know I am. I feel like several of the drivers are from the mental taxation point uh, point of view. Uh, are you guys ready for some non-super speedway racing? Yes, absolutely. I can't. You know, I always like getting into the you know the intermediate tracks. I think that some of the not as much for the short tracks, but I think the, you know, some of these intermediate tracks have produced some really good next gen era racing. So I'm excited to see that. Yes. Same here. I, I, I thought it was, you know, the best type of racing last year and, um, and, and to go, go to Vegas carrying all this momentum isn't a bad thing either. And I, I, I'm think we're in store for a really good weekend, uh, knock on wood with the uh, weather and everything, but, you know, we'll really see, uh, you know, what are the Fords like? What are the Toyotas like? It, you know, it will really, you know, no pun intended here, forecast for the rest of the season. Um, I, I know in our picks we picked all all Chevys because we kind of know, you know, for certain in a way what they'll bring. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I think that's, that's what I'll look for this weekend. How are the Fords? How are the Toyotas here? Alrighty, well, uh, NASCAR heading west for a abbreviated West Coast swing. Just two races this time. It'll be Vegas this week and uh, Phoenix the following week. And uh, we'll be back after each race 
to tell you all about it and analyze what we saw and what caught our eye. Thanks so much for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. Be sure to give us a subscribe and rate on your favorite podcast platform. We'd really appreciate that. Also, follow along on social media at Cloudy Racing Pod. For Jake, Steve, Dylan, I'm Braxton. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week after Vegas.